Do you hire freelance writers and content creators to support your content marketing efforts? If you are, you've probably experienced this. Content that is completely off base, what you envisioned in your head is not what you received, or the inevitable deflation you feel when you receive your deliverables and they didn't really meet your goals. Now, you're not going to want to hear this. I know you're not going to want to hear this, but it might not be your contractor's fault. I know. It's likely the creative brief or lack thereof. That is the issue. So in today's episode, Kane Jamison of Content Harmony talks about how to build a creative brief that gives your contractors really clear direction so they know exactly what you need and you get exactly what you want every single time. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to Tiny Marketing. I'm Sarah Nallblock and I teach small marketing departments that are tired of feeling overwhelmed and under-resourced how to build and manage effective and efficient marketing strategies that work for them. Get ready, it's time to dig in and get a big impact with your tiny team. Hey Kane, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. My name's Kane Jamison. I'm the founder at Content Harmony, and we are content marketing software suite, primarily helping teams get from a keyword they know they want to write content about to the point where they can build a useful brief for writers and other team members helping produce content to the content optimization step where we can help them optimize their content better. Yes. So I found you on LinkedIn and went to your website that was on your profile and immediately signed up. And now I'm a Content Harmony user. <laughs> okay. The marketing works. That's good to know. Yes, the work, the marketing works. And now you know the sales funnel that I went through. <laughs> As a content marketer, I, I just try to ignore attribution some of the time. I know the content leads people to us. I just, uh, I don't always know which content and which people. Yes, it was your personal profile, a post that you wrote. <laughs> Well, thank you. Yes. And glad to have you on board. I am thrilled to be using it. Actually, I sent, because with Content Harmony, you can send the link to the brief or you could just copy yep. it into a, into a doc. And what I did was I sent the original brief and now they want to use Content Harmony also. Awesome. We don't have a big viral coefficient, but we'll take the little, the little tiny shareability <laughs> elements of it. The tiny... Yeah, the tiny virality. Yeah, and we see, you know, see we see a lot of consultants and agencies that will share briefs in our system and the clients that aren't used to seeing all the work that goes into their manual briefs just suddenly understand how much data kind of stands behind some of the Google Docs and stuff that they were producing earlier. So we think that's the best way to deliver it, especially for clients that want to know that like that extra thinking and research has gone into the process. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's very noticeable when you get a brief that all so much work went into creating the brief yep. before any word was ever written. Yep. It's, it's deliberately a short document. So it hides how much work there is to produce it. Yeah. It's in tabs. So you can't tell how much. So before we get into the, into the juice of it, can you um, help me with my playlist, my tiny marketing playlist and tell me what your favorite happy song is. I got to like pull up a playlist or something to reference the obvious ones that Justin Timberlake happy song. So that'd probably be my pop song choice. Um, and my, 
Uh, the one from Trolls? Yeah. And then my off-the-map one would be uh, Franklin's Tower by The Grateful Dead. Okay, okay. All right. These will be added to my Spotify list. Perfect. I will be sharing. Okay, let's get into operations, which is my favorite topic when it comes to content marketing, because there's a lot of handoff that happens during the content marketing process. And a really streamlined operation system is the only way that it works right. So let's start from the very beginning, sourcing your team that will be part of your operations. What team members should be on a content marketing team? So uh, funny enough, I was just working on a blog post we're doing this morning on content marketing roles. And um, I think everything has to start with whoever's going to be building the content, right? The content production is the core thing that has to happen. Technically, the strategy is optional. Technically, the promotion is optional. But there's got to be someone that actually builds the content or has the thoughts or does the writing. So that's kind of the core element that it's built around. When we're talking about small teams, though, usually what what happens is there's kind of three things that have to happen. There's, there has to be a subject matter expert. There has to be somebody that can just really know what they're talking about. And that might be the writer or it might be like the business owner. There has to be you know, the writer, the person actually producing it. And then there has to be somebody guiding the strategy that kind of understands, you know, all right, well, we want to rank for this keyword if we're going after an SEO driven content program. So here's how we produce the content to be the best resource that we can be for this topic and actually have a chance to rank for it. And it's possible for that to all be one person. Oftentimes it'll get split up into two. Maybe the business owner hires a freelance writing partner who understands the SEO and the content creation component, and they partner together to produce content. Maybe the business owner understands all of it and kind of you know learns how to be a better content creator and strategist along the way, but they're the ones directly sharing their expertise or all sorts of variations of that, right? Sometimes an agency comes in they become both somewhat subject matter expert as well as the strategist and the editor, and they pull in their writers. So we see all sorts of different types of approaches. But I think if somebody's the expert, if somebody's willing to create the content, do the work, and if somebody understands how to put the strategy together around those topics, then you have the three basic components of what you need to to start a good content program. Okay. So what I'm hearing is content strategist, creator, whether that's a writer, video, whatever. Content content producer. Yeah. yeah. Then we need an editor. Yep. And am I missing anything? <clears throat> Promotion work often falls on the editor or project manager or owner, which is why it often doesn't get done. It's kind of it's kind of this afterthought. But in a fully fledged team, there are multiple promotion roles that are involved. So that's part of it as well. And then the subject matter expert on a small team is usually going to be the mm-hmm. business owner or marketing manager inside a company. But on bigger teams, you might have dedicated subject matter experts who are just there to help sales team, help product team, help marketing team understand the audience and what they're trying to do. Yeah. Often I see the subject matter experts being that that C-suite, but also the product managers, they're real experts. And um, <clears throat> then any like anybody in sales or business development, because they need to know that service front and back. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, and, and it's all, it's different in every company structure, but there's always somebody you can go to in the company who just really understands the buyer and their needs and has that background. And that's usually the de facto subject matter expert. And then the next trick is finding some of their time to actually make the content better. Yeah. I was actually having a conversation on LinkedIn yesterday about this. 
it was Aaron Balsa who had started the conversation. And we were talking about your different options for getting with subject matter experts who are C-suite and don't have time. And I always go with the batching method. I create my content planning quarterly, and then I'll interview them all at once for all of the content for, for that quarter. And she was also talking about options with like speaking engagements or webinars if they're speaking on them and creating the content based off of yep. the already existing content. Yeah. The the less time you have available, the more the batching helps. And then also content repurposing, getting more from a single set of pieces of content. Interviews always worked well for us back when we used to be an agency for, you know, can we talk to you for 30 minutes and get your thoughts on these three things? I like to set up assertions and questions within the topic that would get a strong reaction from the subject matter expert. Like, you know, true or false, these are the three most important blank. And then that's the type of thing an expert can be like, no, 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 that's totally off. Great. I don't care about the thing I actually just said. I want your strong reaction of no, you should be more focused on this and this. (laughs) So it kind of like gives them something to react to a little bit. So there's lots of little ways to do that. We've seen teams use briefs to get that information as well. Like I'm going to try and get as far as I can into an outline as the writer. I'm not going to draft the content, but I want to get your reaction to the outline. Like, have I covered everything? What do you think is the right take on these two or three things within the outline? And that's an interesting thing because you've taken it far enough that there's something for the subject matter expert to, again, Mm -hmm. react to. And it's often hard for those folks to just come up with something on a blank slate. It's a lot easier for them to react to what, you know, something that you've started. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good point. Whenever I'm interviewing somebody, I have the outline for the article already established. So all of those questions are based off of that outline. And then they have an opportunity to say, no, I don't think that this will matter as much as this. And we can switch it out in the moment. Yeah. But um, talking about those briefs, let's get into the briefs. Why is it so important to do the upfront work before you start writing or creating? Yeah. So if you think about the process that happens without the brief, what's going to happen is, you know, owner, marketing manager says, we really need a blog post or an article explaining this topic, targeting this keyword. And the very baseline thing they can do is pass that off to a writer and say, say, we need an article about blank. That gives the writer an almost infinite amount of places to go. Like a a talented writer can figure out what they should and shouldn't include in there, but they're going to take it in their way that they're naturally inclined, whatever style of writing they lean towards, whatever it might be. And so if the brand has something specific that they want, they might not be getting back what they want if they just throw a keyword or a title idea over to a writer or a content production team member. So what the brief allows everybody to do is agree on what direction we're going to take the content before we start on it. So in that sense, it's no different than like a product requirements document that you would share with a developer if you were building software or if you were doing, you know, web design or something or any other kind of constraints document, um, you know, RFP or whatever it might be. This is what we're trying to accomplish ranking for this keyword or covering this topic well. Here's the things that our brand needs this piece of content to do. Here's the things we think our audience cares about. Here's the sections of the content we know we should cover. It kind of gives the writer a set of constraints to work within, and that allows for the writer to be more creative given that they know where they should be focused. And it also is kind of a set of building blocks for them to start with. So they're not starting from scratch. So that's the number one thing is the brief is there to prevent all the things that could go off the rails 
with just an open-ended prompt that you might assign to a writer or someone. That's not necessarily the writer's fault. And it's also there to protect the writer because if the writer goes off in one direction different than what the client wanted, if it is, you know, in a freelance scenario, then the writer is probably on the hook on some level for edits and changes and things like that. So it's protecting the writer too from saying, all right, do we all agree this is what we're trying to do? And if so, then we can actually go start building the content because we, we all agree this is the way we want to take it. So how deep into the research piece do you get during during briefs? One thing that the brief does introduce is a little bit of duplication of work. And so there's this right balance of each person doing just the right amount of research to not overdo it too much. That said, there's still value in two people doing the research and coming to similar conclusions because whoever creates the brief is probably going to do enough research to say, this is the outline of everything. These are the questions I think we need to answer. These are the core sections we need to cover. And then it's kind of leaving it to the writer to come in and say, great, you've got me off to a good start. I'll write within these parameters. I'll do additional research to find statistics, examples, to really flesh out these ideas and go deeper. Mm -hmm. And along the way, if the writer discovers, hey, there's this thing about the outline that I think is off or needs to be adjusted or tweaked, a good brief and a good team relationship still leaves it open for the writer to come in and say, I uncovered something. I think there's another way we could take this. Hopefully it's not a complete, you know, burn it down and start over rewrite because then everybody's spending more time on that. But it could be something like, you know, I think we really need to add a section about risks or um, caveats, not just cover the reasons why you might want to do this process, but the downsides as well. That's a mm -hmm. pretty common type of addition we would see. Hey there, fellow entrepreneurs and B2B marketers. Before we dive back into the conversation, let me introduce you to a game changer in the lead generation arena, Lead Feeder. Now, we all know the struggle of identifying those elusive website visitors and turning them into valuable leads. But what if I told you there's a tool that not only promises, but delivers on supercharging your lead generation and sales efforts? Enter Lead Feeder. Imagine having the power to identify companies visiting your website, track their behavior in real time, and seamlessly integrate it all with your CRM. Lead Feeder is not just a tool, it's your secret weapon for efficient and targeted lead engagement. What sets Lead Feeder apart? It's the ability to provide detailed insights into visitor behavior, helping your sales team prioritize efforts and close deals faster. With customizable notifications, lead scoring, and GDPR compliance, Lead Feeder is changing the game. Ready to revolutionize your approach to leads and deals? Head over to leadfeeder.com for your free demo today. That's L-E-A-D-F-E-E-D-E-R.com. Don't miss out on the future of successful lead generation with Lead Feeder. Yeah, yeah, and that makes sense. Once you read an article, you're like, hmm. I need to answer this question also. <laughs> yeah. It, and when you go back to the other, you know, the role piece, let's say there's a subject matter expert. They're the ones that'll be able to say, no, I don't think we need to cover, you know, what is blank. That's a little too basic for the audience that we're targeting. 
And then it's up to the writer or the, you know, the strategist role to say, great, we don't need that, or we can do that as another piece of content, or maybe we format that as a sidebar so that the half of the audience that needs that info gets it, but the other half can keep reading. So there's some partnership there in deciding what to cover that all the different viewpoints can kind of help contribute to. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's talk about tools, tools that you might need beginning to end during the content marketing process. Sure. You know, selfishly, I'll kind of talk about how it relates to content harmony a little bit, because a lot of what we're doing is replacing a lot of manual work more so than even replacing tools. What we see teams needing to do before they ever get to content harmony and like building a brief stage is deciding what we're going to cover. And that's going to be more traditional keyword research tools. You have SEMrush, Moz, Ahrefs, those tend to be the big ones as far as deciding. I know I want to talk about this topic. How do I expand that out and discover more side topics, understand what my competitors are ranking for, where they seem to be getting traffic, and basically just decide, you know, if I know I'm going to do 20 pieces of content this year, if I know I'm going to do 200, 2,000 pieces of content this year, whatever it might be, here's what they're going to be. And building out that editorial calendar based on you know, objective things like estimated search volume and traffic potential, but also the really subjective stuff that might matter more, like how important this is to the business. You know, we've got this product release coming this year, so we want to do a big content push around that topic, even, you know, regardless of things like volume. So building out that editorial calendar is kind of the first step, and it only needs to be as big as you need to get through the next three to six months of work usually. So again, could be 10 rows on a spreadsheet, could be hundreds. That's the point when it's time to say, all right, for each one of these rows, each one of these content assets we're going to build, we need to start building briefs. And so when we've done this as an agency, we've liked to say, all right, we'll build the first batch of five to 10 briefs, agree that those are a good match with the client, and then assign them to writers, get started on production, and then start working through the next set of briefs. So you're kicking off this pipeline where the keyword is the input, the brief is what it turns into, and the outline, and then that turns into a draft, and that turns into a final piece of content. And so it goes through maybe a series of five to 10 stages along the way to becoming a finished piece of content. And the brief is the thing that takes care of it all along the way. And so, you know, we like using Notion, Airtable, Google Sheets. Those are kind of my three favorites as far as where to manage the editorial calendar. Keep everything organized, understand what stage it's at, share that status with clients, freelance writers, other team members. And so the way Content Harmony would integrate that uh, would be with the shareable links where we can just drop in. Here's the brief URL for this. And then that would also include like our content grader link, which is where we can help optimize the content that comes out of the draft after the brief is created. And that's where we leave off as far as a tool in the suite. But then obviously getting it out of the draft stage, out of the content grading optimization stage and into the CMS and formatting it and doing other work like design assets, things like that. All of that still is some additional work after the first set, the first draft is completed. So a whole lot of tools involved in that process to get it from start to finish. And then it's just so different with every client based on CMS and stuff like that. But, you know, obviously WordPress thing, tools like that are usually there along the way. Google Docs is absolutely the easiest way for everybody to do reviews and suggestions and collaborate on that stuff. So there's a couple tools like that where there, there is a default for a reason. Yeah. That we start with. I um, Yeah, that's how I start too. I go with, well, for project management, I'm using Bonsai right now, but I've used Trello, ClickUp, Project Manager. Oh, yeah. 
base camp all of them. Yep. So you use Google Sheets or Airtable, did you say? For the editorial calendar specifically, our agency team used to use Basecamp and it was not good for managing a lot of little projects on the form of like a blog post moving along. And so <laughs> back when we, were, when we were an agency, we had all of our team communication and reporting and stuff in Basecamp. And then Airtable was what we did to manage the pipeline of content. And that was a high volume situation oh, okay. where, all right, we might produce 50 or 100 assets for a client during a year. So it needed a pretty dedicated pipeline type of solution. Google Sheets could have worked. It's just messier and there's a lot of customization and there's not many like privileged controls, things like that. And then more recently, since Content Harmony has evolved into a software company in the past few years, we've adopted Notion uh, and the Notion database tools for to use Kanban boards and kind of pipeline creation. So that's where... No, I haven't... I'm, I'm going to Google Notion. I don't, I haven't even heard of that one before. Yeah, it's a little bit document builder. It's good as like a place to store static but living documents like a team manual or process documentation. It's a bad place to have discussions. So it pairs well with something like Slack for more day-to-day -day communication, but it's excellent for structuring a big database of information mm -hmm. um, and, and having some small comments along the way. So we use it for both our, our product, our, our software development pipeline, as well as our editorial pipeline, and then all of our other projects, because it lets us do all that and a really nice dynamic editor. And a lot of the way the Content Harmony brief experience will look in the future is similar to Notion's block editor and WordPress's Gutenberg block editor as well. I'm going to check it out. I'm always curious about new tech. I'm I'm one of those, I'm like a chronic beta tester where yeah. I try out everything I run across. You got to try it out to know whether or not you're missing out on something. But yeah, it takes, takes up a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's the kind of thing where teams should switch just for that. And if a team is doing 12 pieces of content in a year, they don't need an editorial calendar outside of Google Sheets. It's really when you're doing 12 things a month and there's five, 10 people involved and that need to see status, that's where the editorial calendar needs to be escalated beyond just a shared spreadsheet usually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Our editorial calendar is in Google Sheets and the management of the projects is in Bonsai right now, which is yep. a client management platform. That makes a lot of sense. And even as an agency, we would still deliver the content to the client in Basecamp. So they kind of had a unified portal for reporting and task management, the Airtable pipeline that we used was entirely internal to mm -hmm. the content production team and the freelance writers and other team members that we worked with. Okay. Well, that's good to know how it all worked together. Yeah. It d does require a person in the middle to be moving things back and forth, which yeah, and that's you know, always is a its pain. own downside. <laughs> But it's possible, you know, like in the Airtable to have a public facing view of a pipeline as well. So you could involve a client commenting on the same item that a freelance writer or another team member is commenting on. So, so many cool different ways to set it up. It just really depends on your goals and how your team's structured. Yeah. And then I just wanted to point out after the writing is complete, there's, I mean, there's tools for that too with Grammarly and I've been testing out Pro yep. Writing Aid, which... I never heard of until Instagram was listening to me and showed me the ad and I'm in love with it. I like it better than Grammarly. <laughs> uh, it's an alternative. Yeah, it's okay. an alternative, but it goes so much deeper. Yep. It's pretty crazy. And you can like say exactly what type of writing that you're doing for the project. Oh, cool. So it'll look at information like for an email, Nice. for example. 
And I dig that. Yeah, that's handy. Yeah, we, you know, after content leaves our content grader, all our content grader is checking for is uh, a variety of keyword usage is uh, phrase usages. Yeah, it's more like SEO, it, yeah, right? It's, more, it's a more advanced version checking. of checking for a primary keyword where we can say, look, there's 90 related keywords that we see your competitors using. How, how what percentage have you covered and how well, how comprehensive is your content overall? But we say right in the tool, we're not telling you how well your piece will convert. We're not telling you how well your audience will like it. We're not even telling you if it's formatted well or if you've made any typos or grammatic mistakes. Those are not things that we're trying to control. We just want to help you make the piece of content you're producing rank better through being more comprehensive. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've used that tool before and it is helpful to see that your piece has been formatted correctly for for search engines. All right. Well, can you tell everybody how they can work with you and work with Content Harmony and find you online? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, contentharmony.com is our website and it's really easy to schedule a demo with me and kind of see the workflow or watch like our five minute quick start guide and get a feel for kind of how the process works. If you're just getting started with briefs, I think the what we bring to the table is training the team on what they should be looking at to build the brief and kind of giving them a set of templates to start with. I would say we're even better for high volume teams that already kind of have worked briefs into their workflow and kind of understand how to use them because we can save a lot of time. You know, as a, as an agency, we used to spend a couple hours building briefs manually. And our goal with customers is to get them down to 20 or 30 minutes to build a brief once they're on the content harmony workflow. So Hopefully lots of time saved. We can turn what is a part-time or full-time role inside of some agencies into something that a couple of strategists can tackle once a week, even for a high volume team. Yes. And I can tell you that it does save me hours of time. Perfect. That is the goal. We lived and breathed building well over a thousand of briefs for clients over the years um, before we even got started building the software. So we're familiar with all the different headaches that come out of creating content and having it go off the rails. Yeah. And that it does. <laughs> Thank you for yes. joining me today. Thanks, Sarah. Appreciate you having me. Yes. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you walk away from this episode with the knowledge to write the best creative briefs that are going to save you time and money. No more endless revisions no more complete rewrites, and no more throwing projects away because they're just not going to meet your expectations. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe or follow wherever you're watching or listening to this so you get notified every time a new episode comes up. I'll see you next time, you beautiful, beautiful creatures. Hello, and thank you for joining Tiny Marketing. I help tiny marketing departments create consistent content that builds trust with their audience. Book done-for-you content marketing at sarahnoelblog.com. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app. See you next time, friends.